Today's scripture reading comes from the book of Galatians, chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. Please join me as we listen to the word of God. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers who are with me, to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So for the sermonette, instead of the children coming forward, I want to show everyone a video. And this is actually a video created by four adults, but I think children will get a kick out of it too. And the purpose of this video is, what is the gospel? And how do we share the gospel? And it's made by a group called Awana. Awana is a Christian ministry that's located in many churches and is an after-school discipleship program. Um, One day I hope to possibly do Awana in our church. It's a great ministry. Um, But I want to share this video, and it'll be only four minutes. Let's take a look. The gospel of Christ is the very power of God that moves people to salvation. At times, it may feel uncomfortable or difficult to share the gospel with others, but there are many tools to help you share the gospel. At Awana, we created the Gospel Wheel to present the gospel in a clear and easy way. We use scripture, God's own words, to help explain his story of salvation. So here's how it works. Start by drawing a circle. 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 is the core of the gospel and therefore belongs in the center of the gospel wheel. It says that Christ died for our sins. He was buried and rose again. Let's move on to the rest of the wheel. Draw another circle around the core. There are four quadrants to this outer circle. Let's start at the top and look at what the Bible says about God's character. In John 3:16, we read that God loved us so much that he sent his son. And Revelation 4.8b says that God is holy. He is without sin. Therefore, we have a loving and holy God. Along with the character of God, we also need to be clear about the character of us as humans. We read in Romans 3.23 that everyone has sinned. And Romans 6.23 says that the penalty for that sin is death. So far, we have God's character, which is loving and holy and our character, which is that we are sinners. These two things cannot coexist. So let's look at the other two quadrants, because God took action in order to save us from the consequences of our sin. 
God's response to our separation is written in Romans 5.8. God sent his own son to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin. Not only did God take action to bridge the gap, but he asked that we respond as well. This is outlined in the last quadrant. Our response to God's action is found in Acts 16.31. If we believe and trust in the Lord Jesus, we will be saved. What good news! Once you've memorized the verses and outline of the Gospel Wheel, you can use it in so many ways. The best part of the Gospel Wheel is that you can start in any quadrant depending on the context and conversation. Let's look at a couple of examples. Meet Jenny. She is a Sparks leader. During her small group time, a boy asks if he is a Christian because his dad is a Christian. Jenny reads Acts 16.31 to her small group and explains that even if their parents are Christians, each person must trust Christ on their own. Then she reads Romans 3.23 to her group to remind them that every individual is a sinner, so we must believe on our own to be saved. Jenny used the gospel wheel to answer a child's question. From there, she has a clear path to present the gospel as a whole. Let's look at another example. Donna is Sophia's truck leader. She has been bringing her friend, Lily, for the past month. Lily wants to know how she can have Jesus in her life, like her friend. Donna starts by explaining who God is through the verses in the top quadrant, that God's character is loving and holy, which separates him from us as people who are sinners. Then, using Romans 5, 8 and Acts 16, 31, Donna explains that Christ died for her sins, and if she believes and trusts in Christ, she will be saved. There's nothing else that she needs to do. Finally, Donna reads and prays through 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4 with the girls. God desires us to share the gospel with others. The gospel wheel is just one tool that can help you share your faith with confidence and accuracy. Who can you share the gospel with today? can say that all of Galatians is basically Paul trying to present the gospel and present it to, well to everybody. So for the children and for adults, this is what we'll be going through. And we want this to be so crystal clear, not only for us to treasure it and to know what Jesus did for us, but for us to share it in the world. So we are a church that is not passive, meaning we wait for people to just come to us, but we're the church that is activated and active and goes into the world. So children, uh, as you go to Kidsman, uh, may you continue on and maybe have that conversation about the video you saw. We thank the volunteers who are on their way. Have a beautiful time at the playground and kids ministry. And then we will join with you guys after worship. Parents will pick you all up once this worship concludes. All right, thank you guys. Hey, can we give them a hand as they're going out, these volunteers, servants? Bye. All right. Please join me in a word of prayer before we dive in. Thank you, God, that you have allowed our church to go through this journey together in the coming weeks. Through your word, discussing the meaning, and really understanding the depth of your heart for this world. Thank you for the letter that's written 
in the context of a real person frustrated and challenged and addressing an issue of false teachings or false gospel. God, I think we have that same issue today. And especially when the world needs to have true hope and real hope, may we be clear in our heart and mind. Not that our knowledge saves us, but that we would have the clarity of what you did so that we could communicate well and effectively so that your spirit can do the work of changing the hearts. So Lord, let our church love you and love the gospel because of what you've done for us. And may we respond to it in a way with trust and with proclamation. Lord, all these things we pray in your son's name. Amen. If you've ever heard a parent who said to, who walked into their son's room and said, I am simply amazed at how you live in this pig pen. I am simply marvel at the fact that you could find your notebook under the pile of socks. How many have ever heard that or said that or you were the recipient of that? Okay. And so when we say, I marvel at your ability to find things in this mess, it's not a compliment. It's, it's, it's slightly sarcastic and it's astonishment. And so when we hear in verse 6 today of Galatians 1, Paul saying, I am astonished that you are so quickly, what? Deserting God, him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. You hear the frustration, the anger. You hear the urgency of Paul. And so I wonder if Paul came today in 2021 to America, what would he say to the church in America today? Would he say, keep on fighting the good fight? Or would he say, I am astonished that you have fallen away from him who called you to grace through Christ. And so we see that the letter written almost 2,000 years ago is relevant today. What does Paul marvel at? That two things that the Galatians are doing. His children, his spiritual children, he planted a church in Galatia. They were doing great. And he hears report that they started following a false teachers. They're the Judaizers who say to the converts, oh yeah, you're not a Christian yet unless you follow the Mosaic law and you get circumcised. And I'm sure the adults, males, really love that part. <laughs> But these were the false teaching that they were driven into. And so they were deserting God, and they were turning to a different gospel. And then Paul says in verse 7, which is not a gospel at all. So we get this urgency. There is one gospel. Everything else is not the gospel. There is one true gospel, and anything deviation from that is not a gospel at all. And so Paul marvels at this because they are so confused and easily strayed. Now, I thought this was kind of like a situation, but in 1980s, when I grew up in a church in New Jersey, we had a family, we had a lot of children. Uh, it was an immigrant church, about 250 people, and all the families knew each other. One day, one of our families stopped coming to church, and we said, hey, what happened to so-and-so and the three kids? And a few weeks later, we found out that their parents sold their house. They quit their jobs, and we said, why would they do that? And the kids barely went to school, and there was radio silence. And a few weeks later after that, we found out what happened. The mother was sucked into a cult that met, and the cult leader said, Jesus is coming on this particular day in 1980-something. 
I don't know how, and I'm in the same disbelief. I am astonished that she believed it. Convinced her husband, they sold their home and everything, and these three children who were my peers, they were ready for Jesus' coming on the mountain. And as obviously Jesus never came. After that, the three were so disenchanted with the gospel, with religion and church, they just left anything to do with God. And so we realize this happens in the 20th century. We, we heard of David Koresh. We heard of all these people who say they are God, and people in America, they follow them. And so in a time where when we say false teachers, they're not weirdos. They're smart, articulate, eloquent, char- charismatic people that suck people and fool them. And so Paul is urgent to say, I don't want to just proclaim my teaching this is god's teaching revealed to us through jesus christ and i can't believe you're falling away from it and so there was one gospel and so i want to have two parts to this message today what is this gospel and i want to do a self-assessment of do you hold to the gospel of jesus christ so those two parts first so i have a list there's four parts that you can say, and that wheel was a very helpful way, but in a layman's terms, starting at Galatians chapter 1, here's the marks, the marks of a true gospel. First, humans are in need of rescue. The gospel starts with this fact. We are in trouble. It's not because you're addicted to drugs, although you, you need help. It's also for the put-together, wealthy, successful businessman who has everything together. He still needs help. Now, I say that because we have gravitated towards the gospel is for the poor people or the really wicked people. But what does Paul say? Romans 3.23, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. And so we get tricked because we see someone who has everything together, but the truth of the gospel starts with this. Humans are in need of a rescue. And we get this verse. We don't need a teaching. We don't need a special example. We need a rescuer. Each of us, humanity, we need a savior, a hero. And I think the problem in America, if I may humbly say, our pride gets in the way of acknowledging this part. You know Larry over there? Larry had two divorces got kicked out of five jobs. He needs Jesus, not me. <laughs> my, life, my life is pretty good. And so we have this pride that prevents us from the gospel because we compare and we see other people's flaws and we can't come before a holy God and realize, actually, I am a human being in need of a Savior. The word in Galatians chapter 1, verse 4, if you read it with me, who gave himself for our sins, and these three words, to deliver us, to deliver us. Jesus Christ came to deliver us, and the Greek word for that is exairo, which literally means to pluck out. We had to pluck out. Do you remember the sheep video I showed you a few weeks ago? A sheep was in a little pit. They pulled him out, and the sheep was like, yeah. And then do you remember what the sheep did? It jumped right back into the pit, <laughs> and you all started, got a big kick out of that. The sheep was in the pit because it can't get himself out. It needs a rescuer. Someone has to grab the sheep, pull it out, 
or else the sheep will die. And that's literally the word to pluck out, to deliver, to rescue, etc., that Paul uses to say, you and I need a rescuer because we are in trouble with sin. Every single one of us. Not the obvious sins, but the sins of pride, the sins of lust. That's all in your heart. The sins of coveting. And so we all look good on the outside, but you and I, if we are honest with the Ten Commandments, we realize I am a sinner too. And so the gospel begins with that truth that we all need. We don't need affirmation. We don't need God to say, you can do it. You know, if you try hard enough, I love you still. No, we start with the reality. I am separated and cut off from a holy God. And I need rescue. For I will face a second death after my physical death. And so sin is why we need rescue. Second, so the gospel continues on. So, but Christ gave himself as a sacrifice in our place. And the church says... Thanks be to God. Can we do that? Thanks be to God. So the subject of the second part is not you or me. It's not, hey, get your life together. Follow these ten things. Clean up your act. Praise God. It's, no, you could try all you want. But it's not you. You don't merit. You don't deserve it. You can't help it. Jesus Christ, though. Thanks be to God. He has. Verse 3 and 4. Let's read it again. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus who gave himself for our sins to deliver us. There's two things in there. Jesus gave himself and he delivered us. There's two things from the present evil. So the second part of this gospel is it's not you. So if you ever went to a church that said, repent and change your life and start today. That's half true. (laughs) The good news is repent and believe in the one who lived and did the work to rescue us. Jesus paid the debt for our sin once and for all. This is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying you didn't do the work. I didn't do the work. Jesus delivered and paid for us. Why is Christ the only Savior? He's the only religious leader, if you want to compare him with other religion leaders, one thing they can't say is, none of them died for us. Jesus did. He's the only one that did that. Research every religion. Study every religious group. There is no God who took the place for humanity's sin and was a substitutionary atonement for us. Jesus did. And so the subject of this is Jesus. The gospel doesn't begin with you or me. The gospel begins with he, what Jesus did. And sometimes religion gets in the way. We're like, I got to try harder. I got to be good. Oh, I've got to, I got to get gooder, gooder, and I got to find holiness, and I got to do this. And the gospel begins with, woe is me, for I am a sinner. But Christ has done this for me. The gospel continues. The third part of the gospel is that Jesus raised, was raised from the dead. Who raised Jesus from the dead? God did. Verse 1 of Galatians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father. Listen to the next part. Who, God, who raised him from the dead? How did Jesus rise from the dead? God rose him from the dead. 
Now, here's what was really interesting about this. When God raised Jesus from the dead three days later, that is, in effect, Jesus saying, God saying to Jesus, I accept your work on the cross. I acknowledge the work that was done on Golgotha. I, I acknowledge it. I did it. This is part of my plan to rescue people. And God raised Jesus from the dead. That's why we have Easter. He is risen. Oh, my goodness. That's so depressing. He is risen. And so the purpose of that is, wow, God accepted Christ's sacrifice. It was legit. It was satisfied. And God raised him. So what do... Any of you doing anything, any, any part of your contribution on this gospel yet? There's no contribution from you at all at this point. There's nothing. Everything is our nature and God's work. And lastly, the last part is, according to Galatians, God did this, why? Purely out of, what's the word there? Grace. Now, come on. Some of you think this. I think this sometimes, and my sinfulness, if I'm honest, I'm just like, I don't know how God could love someone like that. Or like, God must like me way better than my brother. Or, you know, our, you know that family, maybe God loves them even more than... We compare, but in this verse, in verse 3 and 4, we are told, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present age, and here's the word, according to the will of our God and Father. Why did God do this? It was his pleasing will. It was God's pure will to do this. Why did God save you? Because you're likable? I kind of am. I'm cute, you know. I'm nicer, and I try to live a sincere life. No! <laughs> None of us. God didn't see us and say, Why? Boy, you are likable. I'm going to try to do something for you. Um, you know, VBSs or when you go to, like, do Sunday school, there, there are sometimes kids who you're like, Man, that kid is so cute. Let's be honest. And then some kids you're like, Lord, have mercy. Uh, Pastor Pia, could you take this child? And so we do that, but God doesn't do that. God looks at all of us, the, the well-put-together cute kid, the bad singer, the good singer, and he says, I want to save them out of what? Pure my will, my grace. And so not by anything we deserve, not because we ask for it, but God's pure desire the gospel is this, that God has done everything to save us, and we have nothing to do with it. We have no participation in it. We, you can't add to it. And you'll see in Galatians chapter 2 to 6 why Paul is so angry, because the whole plot to this story here is people were telling new Christians, oh, you're not saved yet. You need to get circumcised. You need to follow the Old Testament law. Now, in American churches today, we kind of do this. Uh, we kind of do this. We have this, and I, I am guilty of this. Now, we forget the gospel, and we are still works righteous. In other words, we say, yes, Jesus died for me. But we look at one another, and we are so works righteous. You know, you're not welcomed here. You're not living according to the way you should. You know, you haven't really cleaned up your life. I'm sorry. And so the gospel has to be the identity for us and the power to transform us. And what is the gospel? 
we need Jesus. And Jesus saves us. And Jesus delivers us. The message of Christianity is not, if you try harder, God will accept you. The message of Christianity is, God accepts you where you are, just the way you are, through Jesus Christ, in order for us to be freed and to live a life that pleases God. So that's the order. And so this is the gospel. I'm going to leave that up there for the rest of the message. So how do we test this? And this is the part where it gets a little bit more subjective. That's objective. Subjective is three tests, three questions that I want to share with you. Do you hold to this gospel? Number one, here's the first question. Who is the subject of your good news? For example, who is the hero of the story of how you met God? Well, my grandfather converted me when I was a child. And, you know, if it wasn't for him, I'm not sure if I'd be a Christian. Now, that sounds good, but is your grandfather the Savior? Who is the subject and the, and, the, and the main person, the hero of your story? And if we can't say, in Christ alone, my hope is found, then we are in trouble. The song we're going to sing in a bit, in Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm from the fiercest drought and storm. I don't want any of my kids to say I am a Christian because my dad is a pastor. They have failed the gospel, to see the gospel. I have failed to communicate the gospel. Who is a subject? It's the fact that Jesus Christ, he's sufficient. The gospel is an account of what Jesus did, not what you can do to come to God. Um, Jesus lived a life and died the death that I was supposed to live, and he rose again. Why? Because he was the only way we could be rescued. So second question. No, that's the first question. Who is the subject of your good news, of your story? Does it begin with he, Jesus Christ? Or does it begin with me? Second question. Where do your good deeds fit in? In obeying God's law and kindness. Where do all these things fit in? What I mean by that is, does God accept you because of your good deeds? Or do you do good deeds because God has accepted you? Now think for a moment. Think for a moment. A lot of us, we may subconsciously be in works righteous mode. You know, I haven't been to church in a while. Boy, I hope God's not angry with me. I need to get more involved. I, you know, I haven't done anything for God. That's work righteous. That's not gospel. So if the gospel is true, here's the truth, the technical truth. You don't even have to do anything for the gospel. God has done the work. That's it. You're satisfied. But the good deeds come in from this. But because God is so amazing and pleasing, pleases, pleased with me through Jesus, even though I didn't do anything, Here's what the gospel does in us. It makes us joyfully want to please God. You've seen this. Um, I, I shared this with my life group. I've seen it with animals. Animals have rescuers, like a dog is burning in fire. Someone comes in and rescues it. What does a dog do? It just licks the rescuer and just, just jumps on him. I've seen it with orphans. I've seen it with missionary care. I've seen it with children. And so Tim Keller uses this, and I want to share, borrow, steal this from him. It was such a cool story because I love baseball, and I love my children. 
And so one of his stories is, why does a child playing baseball want to hit a home run for his dad? What's the answer? Why? Because if I hit a home run, my dad will accept me as his son? No, you and I know that. No, but because my father is my father and he accepts me as his son, I want to hit a home run because I want to please him. Because I am in that relationship. Now, there are actually relationships where the father's like, if you don't get a base hit, you don't come home. I don't want to talk to you ever again. Like, like that, that has never happened yet in my family. <clears throat> but, but, but isn't that true? Why does a child who's safe and secure in the relationship with his father, hey, I want to do my best. And if I strike out, I know I'm still loved. And if I hit a home run, I'm so happy to please him. The gospel makes us reframe good works so that it's not about us looking good to God, but it's as a response to his pleasure in us. So that delights, I delight in that. And when I fail, I go back to the cross. He still accepts me because of the Christ's work on the cross. Why, where do my good deeds fit in? It comes after knowing that I have been redeemed and so, third question, just assessment for you. What is the source of the gospel you hold to? You know, Paul does a lot of arguing here in the whole chapter. convince the readers that I didn't make this up. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle, not from man. I didn't go to a seminary and get signed up. Not through man, but through Jesus Christ. And he says, I didn't get this, you know, a gift from my own ideas. And he says in verse 8, there's something cool. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let them be accursed. Verse 9. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. Twice. The source of your gospel, is it the true gospel? Where did you get your gospel? I do hear this a lot in 21st century. I've heard this around me. Truth comes from your heart. Does truth come from your heart? No. Truth doesn't come from your heart. Heart is above, deceptive of all things, and it diseases ourselves. Truth comes from truth. This table is wood. Whether it comes from my heart or not, this, this podium is made out of wood. It's an observable truth. Truth doesn't come from your heart. Truth is perceived. It comes from God. God is truth. We observe it. We recognize it. We don't make it up. This other line is just be good. Good people go to heaven. Bad people don't. 65% of Americans, Christians, believe that good people will go to heaven. That's the basis of going to heaven. This is 65% of evangelical Christians today believe that. That's scary because you can go to heaven without knowing Christ or even caring about what Christ did because you're just a good person. This is today's survey. What would Paul say to that? I am astonished that you are foregoing God and turning to another gospel, which is no gospel at all. Do you believe you're going to heaven because you're a good person? Or do you believe you're going to heaven because the source of the message we receive from Christ through these apostles tells us 
There is no life apart from Christ, but Christ died for me. And so what's interesting about verse 8 is that even if an angel should supernaturally come to you, don't believe it. And then there's a main religion called Mormonism where in late 1800s, literally Joseph Smith met an angel named Moroni who told him the new gospel. And what Paul warned about happened 1900 years later. So where is the source of your truth? And Paul says in verse 9, if anyone is preaching to your gospel contrary to the one you received from the apostles who were with Christ, including Paul, let them be accursed. Don't even listen to me if I change this gospel. Listen to the work of Christ. You know what's great about this? The work of Christ, the gospel, is what Jesus did. It's not a narrative. It's an it's a log of action. Jesus lived. He was born in Bethlehem. He grew up in Nazareth. He went to ministry, baptized by John the Baptist. He did some funky stuff, fed disciples, walked on water. But he said this crazy thing. He said, I'm going to die on the cross, be betrayed, and then I'll rise again. And what did the disciples teach? Not theology. They taught what they saw, an eyewitness account. They were the source when Jesus rose again of this good news. And Paul says, I too encountered this Christ. So Jesus Christ himself who raised from the dead, Paul considered himself as an apostle. So those are the three questions. I want to ask you, who is the subject of the good news of your salvation? In Christ alone, I hope. Second question, why do you do the good works you do? To really please God or to earn God's affections? Third, is the source of your gospel truly from Christ and the word? Or is it man-made? Because there are so many false teachings. And so Galatians, I encourage you to do this life group journey with us because we're going to hit this over and over again. Because... If this is the only way, and this is the way that God made us to have a way for hope, we have to be clear with this so we could tell the world the hope that is in Christ. We have to be clear here so we may be clear over there. Amen? And so this, we say thanks be to God in Christ alone for his wonderful works. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will work in us saturate that clarity in us, shake us up even, and maybe some of us in here will come to Christ in a true way, fully in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that even my words would be your words. I pray that the message that is received and not just heard will be clear from your truth. Lord, help us to be joyful and passionate about the gospel, the work that you did and what happened to you as you died and rose again so that sinners may be redeemed. God, humble us and soften our hearts that we recognize we can't be Christians or good Presbyterians by performance, but humble us so that we can acknowledge 
we cannot stand here apart from your grace. And so with that, may grace become beautiful as we recognize the ugliness of sin in us. And may we be a church that not only receives this, but proclaims this in our words and in our actions and all of our ministries. We praise you, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name, who is our Savior. Amen.